Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. This week, we're in Sicily, Italy with Esther Vaja, host of You, Me, and Sicily, the travel video series all about Sicily. But first, a little bit about Sicily. Sicily is an island just off of the boot of Italy in the Mediterranean. And at about 10,000 square miles, it's the largest island in Italy, about the size of Massachusetts. But it seems so much bigger than Massachusetts, probably because it's rather difficult to get around Sicily. Uh, especially the interior towns seem to be rather remote. And also, throughout Sicily, there's no high-speed train service like there is on most of continental Europe. So distances can seem much further than they actually are. Even though there's no high-speed train in Sicily, there is train service. It just is rather slow. And this is why a lot of people criticize Sicily's train system. They say it's unreliable. That's not really true. It is slow, but whenever I've traveled in Sicily, I've found their train system to be very reliable. We've never had any issues getting from point A to point B. In fact, every time I've been to Sicily, I've never rented a car. That said, there are times when you might have difficulty. I remember one time we were in a small little town in Sicily and we were trying to get the last train out of town before service ended for the evening. And we were looking all around because it didn't seem that a train was coming. We asked a cop. He didn't know what was happening. And finally, this little bus pulled up. You know those airport shuttle buses that take you to the rental car counter? It was about the size of that, like a 10 or 12 seater. And these two old Sicilian women came up and grabbed me and Karen and were like, get on that bus. And we hopped on and that was the bus. It wasn't a train at all. It was the, the last train out of town was actually a bus. And the bus driver took us down the mountain to this little stop, seemingly in the middle of nowhere, pointed down a weeded, overgrown path, which we took to a waiting train that ended up taking us back to our town in Sicily. So, you know, if that's not your cup of tea, if that sounds too um, off the cuff and adventurous for you, then rent a car and you can drive wherever you want. For me, we find experiences like that invigorating because you get to meet the locals and then you have a fun story to tell about the time you almost got stranded in the middle of Sicily. Now, folks who have been listening to Destination Eat Drink might realize that we've done an episode in Sicily. Back on episode four, we talked about the town of Catania, Sicily, which is the second largest city in Sicily after Palermo. This episode is going to cover more of Sicily, and in the future, I'm sure I'll do more episodes about Sicily as well because it's one of my favorite places. We need to do an episode about Palermo at some point. I need to do an episode about my favorite town in Sicily called Ortigia. But for today, we're going to be talking about the entire uh, island of Sicily with Esther Vaja. 
And I don't know anyone who I'd rather have on a show about Sicily than Esther Vaja, who lives in Sicily, who takes tour groups all over Sicily, and whose partner, Alfred, has written books about Sicily. So let's dive right into it. Sicily, Italy on Destination Eat Drink. Destination Eat Drink. We're joined today by Esther Vadja, and um, Esther is a tour guide and travel consultant who also produces my favorite web series called You, Me, and Sicily. And welcome to Destination Eat Drink, Esther. Ciao from Sicily. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Esther. So you, if I'm not mistaken, you're originally from Hungary. Uh, how did you find yourself in Sicily? Oh, my God. That's been a long, long journey. So I was born in Hungary, and I also lived in Israel, Brazil, and I grew up in the United States. I'm just outside of Boston, Massachusetts, in a town called Andover. So that's where I went to junior high, high school, college. I went to grad school in uh, uh, Boston at Northeastern University. And then I became a journalist, a TV journalist. So the majority of my uh, professional life has been in TV broadcasting as a field reporter and an anchor. And fast forward to 2014, uh, I was in between jobs, and I was mostly a political reporter, by the way, far cry from what I'm doing now. And um, 2014, I met Alfred Zappala who is Mr. Sicily, has been going back and forth uh, from Sicily to the United States. He's also from north of Boston, from a town called Lawrence, Massachusetts, where a lot of Sicilians emigrated to at the turn of the century. And I met him at his brother's radio, uh, radio show called All Things Sicilian. And I happened to be filling in for his brother as a host and in comes Alfred Zappler, and he tells me all about Sicily and the four books that he's written about Sicily. And um, we had a couple of meetings and decided to turn some of his um, stories from his books and some of his contacts and do six video episodes of You, Me, and Sicily. And that was in 2014. I came to Sicily for two months to do eight episodes. And today we're at episode 48 and I'm not done. I fell in love with Sicily. I was, as a lover of history, I just was stunned at the amount of history that happened here in Sicily, the vast contributions that Sicily has given to the world. I fell in love with the foods. The foods of Sicily are unlike any foods I've ever eaten. Um, you know, the foods of Hungary are pretty spectacular, but there's something about the foods here in Sicily, especially around the Etna area, because, you know, the Etna ashes uh, act as a fertilizer and the fruits, the vegetables, they're nothing sweeter, tastier. The iceberg lettuce are two feet long. The watermelons are three, five feet long. I mean, we're talking unbelievable foods and of course the people so uh, first year uh, I came here for two months I stayed for five the following year I came for six seven and now Alfred and I are here full 
uh, time. We go back to the United States twice a year to visit family and friends. And we continue doing the video episodes because this is my fifth year and I'm not done with seeing all of Sicily and I'm not done with tasting all its foods. And (laughs) so from that came, so first came the video series as a journalist. That's what I'm most passionate about. And from that, it was a natural thing that the tours came out of them. So we do uh, small group tours. We do personalized tours, custom tours. And I'll tell you right now, right, it's all around food. It has to be all around the food and its history. You know, and everywhere in Italy, it's about it's about the food no matter where you go, but Sicily specifically. And I think one of the things about Sicily that most Americans don't understand is um, it's part of Italy, yes, but it has its own distinct culture. And when when you go to Sicily, you see that so much in the food culture of Sicily, how different it is from the rest of Italy. Comment on how um, Sicilian food is similar to Italian, but not maybe the same as what you'd get on the main peninsula. Well, I will tell you right now that Sicilian food is not Italian food, not at all like Italian food. It is very unique and different, and it is not like Italian-American foods. The foods from Sicily were influenced by all its conquerors. And first, and this is one of the most conquered lands in in Europe, where the Greeks were here first, then came the Romans, the Byzantine Empire, the, you know, the Arabs were here for several centuries, the Arab left, the Arabs left a tremendous amount of uh, influence on the foods. They were the ones that brought the sugar cane. They were the b- ones that brought the olives. They were the ones that introduced the almonds, the pistachios that are so uh, fundamental to the foods of Sicily. Um, you know, and then came the Normans, the Spanish, but there were several influencers on the foods. But when you're talking about sweets, for example, sugar cane didn't exist here before the Arabs arrived here. Then. Uh, 10th century. So it's significantly different. You know, the most, the the biggest food that people associate with Sicily is the cannoli, which by the way, was an Arab uh, creation. Um, But the different types of fish, the different fish dishes, the different types of pasta we use, pistachio or almond with pasta, you don't see that too much on the north, on the mainland. Uh, Sicily. You also have the arancini, the different types of pizza. The pizza of Sicily is not the Napolitano thick pizza. It's thin crusted. The pizza of Catania, where we live, is far different than the pizza of Palermo on the West Coast. But, you know, and and there's a lot of uh, foods that are uniquely Sicilian. The granita, which is a summertime treat, um, You know, history tells us that the Arabs went up to Mount Etna and shaved off the ice and brought it down and then added in their local flavors. They brought the almonds. They brought the lemons. They they brought the lemons to Sicily, by the way. And so they added all these delicious flavors. Now, for those who don't know what a granita is, it's not Italian ice. It's not slush. 
it's like nothing you've ever had before. It's a mix. It, it's made without milk, and it's uh, it's a sweet treat that people eat here for breakfast or as a snack with a brioche, with, which is a delicious uh, piece of bread, of sweet bread, sweet doughy bread with uh, what I call a boob on top. And you take the boob <laughs> off and you put the granita in it and you eat it for breakfast. But it's a, a distinctly Sicilian food. And there's numerous ones of these bread that, that you know, they've tried to replicate up north, but really it's a distinctly Sicilian food. And what I love about the granita is it's not just fruit flavors, but you can also get an almond granita, which is awesome, or a coffee granita, which is awesome as well. The pistachio. Pistachio. My oh, favorite. that's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about let's talk about language because um, you grew up in the United States, like you said, but watching your videos, you speak fluent Italian. The question is in Sicily, do you do you also speak the dialect when you're there? Because it's quite different than what we know as Italian. Okay. So first of all, I am far from being fluent in Italian, <laughs> but I thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for that compliment. Uh you know, here's the deal. Uh, the Sicilian dialect, which, by the way, is the first language to uh, come out of Latin. So Sicilian existed before even Italian existed. The Sicilian language was the first Latin language with its Arab influences and also some Greek influences. So the Sicilian language is very unique. Um, it is a dying language. I will tell you that all the locals speak it, but not too much. You know, um, people at the gym, you'll hear some dialect Sicilian being spoken. It's not taught at schools. So very unfortunately, it's not, uh, it, it's a little bit of a dying um, dialect. Now, every Sicilian speaks Italian. So w when a stranero, a stranger like me comes in, you know, they'll speak Italian. But I will tell you that I have made it a point to learn some Sicilian words because they love it. So when I go to a store and I order something or I call someone a bedu bedda, which is beautiful girl, beautiful woman or beautiful, they love that. Uh, now, Alfred, on the other hand, grew up in a Sicilian-speaking household in Lawrence, Massachusetts. Okay. So he speaks Sicilian. You know, he's he, his Italian is also great, but he speaks Sicilian really well, uh, and and it makes all the locals smile so much when when Alfred uh, starts speaking Sicilian to them. Um, and I have to tell you that one of the reasons that I have made it one of my priorities to learn Italian and some Sicilian words, because an old mentor once told me from the TV world, when you're interviewing someone in a foreign tongue, so not their mother tongue, their first instinct is to answer with their head because they have to translate whatever they want to say from the heart and it has to go through the translation process in the head. So it's not the genuine answer that they would get. If they answer in their mother tongue, they'll answer in a completely different tone 
completely different passion and you'll get a true answer. So I've really made it a priority to learn Italian number one and a few, you know, Sicilian words number two. You know, and you spoke about the markets in Sicily and occasionally the reason why I brought up the Sicilian dialect is because occasionally if you're in some of the smaller towns, you will see signs uh, labeling the items at the market in the Sicilian dialect. I'd go to yes. a market and see watermelon, but it's not, it doesn't say watermelon in Italian. It says it. And I'm like, what is that? And it's in the Sicilian dialect. Let's talk a little bit about the Sicilian markets because people who have been to Europe have probably been to what we would call a farmer's market, an outdoor market. And they're wonderful on, on the continent, but there's nothing like them in Sicily. And let me bring up one other one other small point about the markets in Sicily is that you talked about the Arab influence. You don't normally see giant tubs of uh, of spices and herbs and things like that um, in on the mainland in Europe, but you do in Sicily. And it looks sort of like a Middle Eastern or an African market rather than a European market. What about the what about the markets in Sicily? Oh, there's nothing like it. You know, the uh, the fish market here in Catania, which is one of the biggest in Europe, uh, you walk through and you have men chopping swordfish heads, you know, with the swordfish sticking out and live fish everywhere. And, uh, and you walk through and you're like in a Turkish or some kind of an Arab market where everyone's yelling, on oh, one arrow, one arrow, one arrow, one arrow, one arrow, <laughs> or, or whatever they're saying. Some, they're yelling something and it it sounds like one euro, you know? Um, and everyone's yelling or, or, or singing some kind of a Sicilian song or, um, you know, they're trying to barter, they're trying to yell, but, and, and you do have the fish and then you have the, and I, I, I'm sorry for all the vegetarians, but you do have the pig hanging, the, you know, the sheep hanging upside down um, and they're c cutting it right there. And then you have the spices, everything from uh, cumin to curry to to all all types of what you would not consider Italian spices, of course, oregano and all all that other stuff, but all types of spices coming from Arab countries. And then you have, um, you know, you have the pistachios, the artichokes, and in whatever whatever season it is, it's a mix of, you know, right now during the winter, it's all about the artichokes and lots of kachofi, which is a Arab Arab uh, original word, kachofi, um, artichoke. So it is an experience unlike any other. And I, I probably go there. You know, it's one of our main stops with our group. But aside from that, we go there a lot. And it's always a spectacle. And it's always a scene. And it's busy. And it's loud. And there's always something new being sold. It is something unlike I've ever seen. And I've lived in Israel. You know, so I've lived in the middle, you know, I've lived in one of those countries, but it is spectacular. And right now also uh, in the winter months, we have the blood oranges, the lemons, the like abundant, 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 abundant amount of citrus fruit. So um, 
And the displays are so cool. They do a really good job with the displays. You know, they're very artistic with the way they display their fruits, their vegetables. So it's always an experience going to the fish market or any other market, the ones in Palermo as well. Um, Unlike unlike any other place in Europe I've ever been to. Absolutely. And I and I've, I'm glad you brought up the citrus because right now is the Sicilians love the blood oranges and you go to the market now. I, I'm not sure. Maybe it's a little bit late, but February, uh, March, you go in there and you can get your blood oranges and I would get a big bag of blood oranges and then just for have $1. them. For, yeah. And have them for have them just juice them for breakfast right in the apartment. You know, um, my other favorite market, but the ones in Palermo and Catania are are just a feast for the senses, both uh, your 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 nose and your ears and your eyes. But my other favorite market is in uh, Ortigia in Syracuse, which is much smaller, but also is a great market to shop in. Yeah, that that was a, a, one of our favorites. Great little stores. You can just pull up a chair, have a sandwich, have some uh, fish caught right off the. Sure, you know, all, and I'm talking all types of fish, from urchin to shrimp to mussels to everything, everything. Now, you live in Catania, which is the home of uh, pasta alla norma, um, one of my favorite dishes. What What are some of your favorite Sicilian dishes in Catania that you love? In Catania's dishes, dishes, I'm a fish girl. So I love going into a restaurant or going to the fish market, which we have our local fish market, you know, and and I'm talking about a fish market where I go in and there's always a line. You pick a number, but there's always a line and it's fish caught right in this area. And people, I'm I'm talking about 10 10 to 20 people standing around just to pick your fish. So I like orata. Uh, spigola, uh, so these are sea bass, sea bream, uh, tuna is too early right now. They're not fishing. Tuna is great here. Uh, the mussels are just incredible, but pasta norma, of course, but which is pasta with, uh, tomato sauce and fried eggplant and ricotta salata, which is ricotta, uh, twice baked. Um, and a little bit of a salty, um, you know, I love granita, you know, I love every, every Sicilian dish. Um, it's tough to say, you know, just one, uh, during the winter, um, the lamb is so popular. Um, but I do have to say that, um, something that people may not know of, which is not my, not my favorite, nor Alfred's, um, that a lot of people in Catania love to eat horse meat. Mm. And that would be illegal in the United States, but there are stores here, especially selling just horse meat, and they eat it as sandwiches. So, uh, But I tend to stick to any type of fish uh, grilled, and they make it so simple, simple, simple here. All you do is once you grill the fish and they debone it and de-head it, they just put a little bit of olive oil, garlic, and lemon, a little bit of salt. Simple, 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 but delicious. Oh, and the swordfish, the grilled swordfish. <laughs> the 
the grill, you say pasta la norma is one of the big Catania fishes. The grilled swordfish, fish espada, number one here in Catania. Of course. I mean, you're on an island, so of course you're going to have lots and lots of seafood. One of the most famous Sicilian dishes is a street food called uh, orancini. Explain what orancini is and also the differences between the Catania orancini and the Palermo orancini. Arancini and arancino. It's like, I don't know, it's like Boston and New York, always in competition. The two football, the two soccer teams, always in competition. Who has the better arancini? Who has the better pizza? It's so funny. Um, so I mentioned the arancini before as being one of those uh, distinctly unique Sicilian foods. And it's basically a rice ball, and you can have inside sugu, which is some kind of a meat sauce, burro, which is made out of butter, spinach, spinach. But now, you know, a lot of these hip uh, new cafes, like there's one in Acitrezza, five minutes from us. It's called Hashtag. The store is called Hashtag. <laughs> and, they're, and they're trying to come up with all these cool new arancini flavors, so now they have the fish arancini, pistachio arancini, nero de sepia, which is, oh, that's another typical um, cuttlefish ink uh, pasta. Now they're using that in their arancini. They're making sweet arancini. But, you know, people usually stick to the main types, which is the, the traditional with sugu, which is a meat sauce with um, butter or spinach or some kind of other green um, and it's basically a round meatball, uh, um, rice ball. It's made with rice, and it takes a couple days. Actually, our very first episode of You, Me, and Sicily, I made arancini with a woman who spoke zero English, and it was my first week in, in Sicily, and I spoke zero Italian. And we communicated, and she taught me how to do arancini. So it's, you know, it's isn't like, it beautiful? Wool. isn't it beautiful when you're in Sicily <laughs> and you don't speak the language, they don't speak your language, and yet you can still communicate with them. And I find that all yeah. over Sicily. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But uh, the Catania ones are basically like a pyramid and whatever, there, there are many theories why some people say it's for Etna. And the ones in Palermo are round. Now, there's also the mini arancinis, which they do for, you know, birthday parties. They always have the mini arancinis or um, as appetizers. But it's it's one of the big, big, important foods, uh, street foods, or even take home foods uh, here in Sicily. And the thing about the thing about the arancini is uh, the the. Catania one you mentioned is shaped kind of like a pyramid and it comes to a comes to a point on the top. And so I always say I like I like the Catania orangini better because that top gets all crispy and wonderful. And that's the first part. And you, you know, can you take the it off right. yeah. and bite it. Oh, yeah. It's oh, so yeah. good. I agree with you. Oh, and by the way, I didn't mention the cheese and sometimes green peas in it. Oh, yeah. Everyone has different. Everyone does it different. I mean, honest. And like you said, they're they're becoming in some places, they're becoming kind of hip and upscale. And you're starting to see orancini pop up in American restaurants as kind of a fancy appetizer. But there's nothing yes. like getting the one that's as big as a baseball in a in a bakery in uh, in Catania and just walking out into the park and enjoying it. 
Now, I can't believe it took me this long to mention www.youmeandcicely.com where all of our episodes are. <laughs> but there's on one of them, we do street foods. And Alfred sits there and, and he talks about the science of eating arancini and how <laughs> he likes to take the head off first and eat that first. And then our uh, friend Vincent says, no, 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 I like to bite right into it and save that top for the last. So, so you know, of course, to eat its own. Of course, in Sicily, yeah, everyone has their own method and it's always up for debate as to which one is the best and who has the best way of doing whatever it is, whether it's eating no orange. Fork, no fork, no fork and knife. Oh, of course not. <laughs> not not allowed. Yeah. Not allowed. Um, so what you mentioned your uh, you mentioned your series Yumi and Sicily, which I love. By the way, everyone should watch these. I think I've seen almost all of them. But what do you have planned for the future? Where uh, right now we are working on producing a, a series on or a, an episode on ceramics. We went to Caltagirone, which is one of the capital of ceramics of Sicily and we're planning on going to Shaka as well. Ceramics was, is a big thing in this area. You know, they have the clay, the raw material, they, they have the wood uh, for the ovens and they have the art um, for that. Um, then uh, we're planning on going to uh, the west, Southwest coast. We haven't explored that coast in our videos as much. Uh, but basically, we have zigzag the island, and we not only show you about the cities and places, but we also try to bring you a little bit about the culture, the foods, the festivals. Oh, my God, we haven't even talked about the festivals. The festivals of Sicily are huge here, and street foods and foods associated with the festivals also a huge thing. So we featured those in our um, in our videos and basically try to highlight um, the points of light here, the treasures of Sicily. We don't not talk about uh, mafia. We've had a couple or maybe three episodes where we do talk. We do address the issue of mafia. But the basic premise of Yumi and Sicily is to educate the world about the various treasures that Sicily has and is providing to the world and, and the many, not only the places, but also the people and of course the foods. <laughs> and you, you, you brought up, you brought up the mafia. So I guess we should address it at least briefly because it's kind of the, whenever I say I'm going to Sicily, inevitably a family member or a friend says, Oh, aren't you afraid? What about the mafia? Me too. So let's, let's talk about it briefly because it's, it's very different now in Sicily than it was say 20, 30, 40 years ago. So I think one of our most important episodes was on uh, one of the anniversaries of Giovanni Falcone and Paolo Borsellini, the two judges who were murdered by the mafia uh, less than one year apart uh, in 1992. And we were invited by the uh, the Washington Italian embassy to cover it. And that was in Palermo. That was probably about three years ago. So I can't remember which episode that was. But that was it to I don't want to go too, too much into it. But those judges were did groundbreaking work putting the mafia behind uh, bars. 
hundreds and hundreds of mafia bosses for the first time appeared in public, were persecuted, prosecuted, and put behind bars. And what these men did was follow the money trail. And they kept impecuous records and research. And many years later, um, the New York police, you know, to go after some of the New York uh, New Jersey mafia, they use the same methods used by Falcone and Borsellini in their work. For their work, they were murdered. They became national heroes, not just Sicilian heroes. After they were murdered, women, men took to the streets, basta with the mafia. That was a turning point, a major, major turning point in the history of Sicily and the mafia. So, you know, if you many people know about the movies of the Western movies about the mafia, about the violence and all that. Yes, that existed. It does not exist to that level anymore. The mafia does exist in Sicily. Let me tell you, it does exist and it exists all over the world. But today's mafia in Sicily has a far different face. It is all about the money. It is all about the money. It is all an economic front. Um it's, uh, you know, when I when I look at the work um, of Paolo uh, Borsellini and, and Giovanni Falcone and what it led and where we where Sicily is today, it's remarkable. You have out loud women, men having groups, anti-mafia, and they call themselves anti-mafia. They're brave enough today to say I'm anti-mafia. My group or whatever project or organization, nonprofit, I have this organization to make sure that these boys stay off the streets and stay out of the mafia. So through the years, we've met several women and men who have these organizations, whether it's uh, music or sailing or, or sports or whatever, the aim is to make sure that this doesn't happen again here in Sicily. And it was bloody. It was bloody. Yeah. And I think one of the one of the great success stories has been that people have stood up against the mafia. I mean, there was a time in Sicily when you couldn't do that. And now people are rise, have, have risen up and said, we're not going to take it anymore. And I think that shows the bravery of the people of Sicily. And one other yeah. point, I think the um tourists people who come to sicily should know it's it's extraordinary it's a minuscule chance that you will see anything related to the mafia when you go you're, you're there's no danger you know there's no inherent danger yeah. to going to sicily and, and you know and, and and that goes back to the premise and aim of our videos because when we first started this it was to dispel all the nonsense that the movies and and all the uh, stereotypes that have been given to uh, Sicilians. Now, one of our interviews, um, one of the episodes is called The New Generation of Sicilians. We interviewed some people that were anti-mafia and were speaking about what Sicily needs and has to do. I mean, these are, you know, the new generation. And one of our friends who has a language school in Tarmina went into tears talking about his son and how when his son high school went to northern Italy, they talked to they made fun of him about being a 
uh, mafia and whether he was part of a mafia. And his father was disgusted by this nonsense that went on after all these years, all the stuff that has happened here in Sicily. And, uh, and he ended with saying, I hate stereotypes because I wish my son didn't have to hear about that. And, you know, he's, he's one of those guys trying to make Sicily better. And there's so many of them. And, you know, the, the, you know, you talk about the bravery about people standing up, um, Against mafia. This happened immediately after. Um, so Giovanni Falcone was first, and then uh, Paolo Borsellini. I mean, pa- Paolo Borsellini. But the women went to the streets. It was women holding up. It was their kids. They were holding up signs. Basta with the mafia. Basta mafia. Basta mafia. Hundreds went to the streets, and it hasn't stopped. It hasn't stopped. It's um, it's continuing. Giovanni Falcone, after his death, Paolo Borsellino, which are big names that, um, again, we're trying to educate people about these men who were um, trendsetters, really. They were groundbreaking work, groundbreaking work. And and they're heroes. I mean, the airport's named after uh, Mr. Falcone, so you know the, the, they're well-known people in in Sicily. Let's let's get off that subject and uh, let's talk about more fun stuff. Um, where are some of your? Uh, you talked about the ceramics town in Sicily, and I hate to try and pronounce it because I always I always I always muff it. But um, that's a wonderful kind of under the radar town in mm-hmm. Sicily, and not a lot of people know I, about I it. Don't. Cal Tagione. Cal um, wonderful town. We we bought some ceramics when we were there. You can. It's literally a ceramics town. You go in there and there are ceramic shops lining the town and just wonderful works. And you don't have to spend a fortune um, to buy some really nice little ceramic trinkets to bring back with you. And also there's Santo Stefano de Camastra and also Shaka that are well known. So, but, you know, you can buy those everywhere, but here's, you know, the birth, you know, sort of the, the capital of ceramics. Um, so yeah, so that's one of our next episodes, but we also do a lot of cooking ones. One of the last ones we did was on Sicilian sugu, which is, um, which is a meat sauce, Alfred's, uh, grandmother's meat sauce. Uh, we did a couple of dishes with swordfish. We did, oh, Brett, we did talk about the caponata, which is one of my favorite, favorite side dishes, the caponata, Yum. which is so typical, so, so typical Sicilian because Sicily is an island of contrast, of contradiction. You, you know, you have the sun, uh, the sea, you have Etna, you have Etna's, uh, you know, gives, but she also takes, you have black, you have white, you have sweet, you have savory, you have mafia, you have anti-mafia. Um, so caponata is one of those dishes that just makes, it, it's just so quintessential Sicilian. And basically what it is, and I made it with my good vet friend Vanessa in one of the prior episodes, is in, again, everyone has their recipe for it. Um, but it's basically 
uh, fried eggplant and pine nuts and raisins. And uh, you put a little sugar, a little bit of vinegar. Uh, you can also put celery, capers, olives, and it's, it's a mishmash and uh, it's delicious. It's, it's delicious. It's a con it, sweet, savory, um, and every section has a different recipe or a different way of doing it. And my favorite way is to eat it a little bit warm, but people can eat it also a little bit cold. It's so good. So good in Sicily. One, one last topic before we let you go, Esther, is we should talk about Sicilian wines because... <laughs> The we haven't talked about wines yet. I don't know how. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> but Mount Etna wines are really becoming popular now. Um, it's a it's being recognized as a wonderful wine region. And let's talk. Uh, let's talk Sicilian wines. Nero okay. Davila, first so, of all. Okay, so no, so let's go back in history to all the way back to Homer, Ulysses, and the one-eyed Cyclops which was written, you know, this is Greek mythology, uh, you know, the whole story about the, the fearless uh, leader, uh, sea captain Ulysses coming here and the one-eyed Cyclops capturing his men and eating them. And that this was over 3,000 years ago, the story was written uh, by Homer. And it ends with, part of the story is that Ulysses gets the one-eyed Cyclops drunk, Right. So there is one of the first evidences, written evidences of wine that existed here in Sicily 3,000 years ago. But now there's evidence it's been here even 6,000 years ago. They're finding barrels, wine barrels. Old. So wine has existed here forever. Now, forever, until maybe 30 years ago, they were making it in mass quantity, not really paying attention to the quality. And Nero de Avala which is a type of grape, was a, a typical Sicilian red wine. There's the Insolia, which is a, a, a white wine as well. Uh, Griglio, which is another type of white wine. But Nero de Avila was what everyone knew about. So in the past, as I said, maybe 20, 30 years ago, some new vineyards have started to make wines with the focus of quality instead of quantity. And especially here around Etna, we take our groups to all of our Etna vineyards. And now they're making the Etna Rosso. And there's another, you know, the Etna Bianco. And specifically, it's an Etna wine. Why is it an, an Etna wine? Because it's created in the zone of Etna. So over in Palermo, they can call their wine an Etna wine. And it is a distinctive flavor, far different than maybe an, an, um, uh, a Nero de Avo or whatever in, in Palermo. Why? Because as it is in everything in the existence of the world around Etna, she's the biggest influencer. By far, she's the biggest influencer. She influences all the foods. And I'm talking about she influences the olives. So the olive oil here is different. She influences the fruits, the vegetables. So the flavors here are different. And of course, Etna ashes touch the Etna wines. Because of the grapes, her ashes act as a 
fertilizer, but also gives it a, a distinct flavor. And, you know, one of the best parts of the tour is we go to a vineyard where we get a tour of the vineyard, um, <clears throat> you know, looking at some of the oldest vines uh, and then going into the uh, the old house where they used to stomp on grapes and tell the stories about that. And uh, and then we sample Etna wines, which are, as you said, up and coming and, and good because they're fantastic. Um, you know, we have a lot of partners here that a lot of vineyards that we do work here and uh, they keep working on trying to improve the quality, not the quantity, the quality of their wine. So it's really spectacular. Imagine sitting outside on a beautiful spring summer day, sipping Etna White and uh, Etna Bianco, and there's Etna um, in front of you. So it's it's really, really interesting. And by the way, at one of these vineyards that we go to, Accidentally, while building the new facility a few years ago, they discovered Etna lava flows oh. in in stat in 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 like like layers like chocolate layers dating back thirty thousand years ago. Whoa! And in those chocolate layers, that looks you know because the Etna ashes were different color during the different eruptions. There's grape vine, grape, um, you know, the, the, so it's right on top of the vineyard and the, the grapes stay alive because it's so moist down below. Oh my goodness. So it's like a stratus. So it's so moist because the, the, whatever the lava stratus it provides some kind of a moist, I mean, there's, you know, it's covered by glass to protect it, but it's always, you know, sweating and you can see the, you know, the, the bottom of the, the, the grapevine uh, underneath. It's remarkable. It's like looking into a time capsule for 30,000 yeah. years. Exactly. That's amazing. Exactly. Um, and Americans can find Sicilian wines, even Etna wines, in most good wine shops. Sicilian wines yeah. are, are everywhere now. And you should seek them out because the quality of Sicilian wines is really, really good these days. Well, all, all of our friends also export out. So, you know, they ship out. So if anyone, you know, really is interested in that wine, contact me, youmeandsicily.com. <laughs> okay, great. Well, Esther, I could talk to you all day about this, but uh, me too. <laughs> you know, we can't we can't go on forever, unfortunately. But before we go, let's you mentioned youmeandsicily.com. This is where people can get in touch with you about the tours, about travel consulting, and where can we go to see the wonderful web series You Me in Sicily? On youmeandsicily.com. Okay. There's links to links to all of our videos, all things Sicilian, everything you want to know. Uh, about Sicily is right there, www.youmeandsicily.com. All our 48 videos, our tours, Alfred's four books, it's all there. Perfect. Well, everyone should go and see that because it's it's definitely worthwhile and you'll go down the rabbit hole and watch dozens of these videos like <laughs> I have over time. Um, Esther, again, thank you so much for joining us on uh, Destination Eat Drink and we'll see you down the road. Thank you so much. This has been really, really fun sharing one of my big passions in life, Sicily. I tell you, Esther's enthusiasm for Sicily is absolutely contagious. Makes me 
want to go back to Sicily as soon as humanly possible. My name is Brent Peterson, and Destination Eat Drink is distributed by Ed Silla and the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. If you'd like to subscribe to Destination Eat Drink, you can do so at iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you get your podcast. New show drops each and every Friday. Next week, we'll be at a brand new destination, eating some delicious local dishes, enjoying some unique local beverages, and just having an all-around good time. So I'll talk to you next Friday. Until then... See you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.